Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Kingdom of God. You may be wondering why we've chosen the title Focus on the Kingdom for this series of broadcasts. There's a very simple answer to that question. All scholars recognize, and indeed you can find this out for yourself, by simply opening a Bible and reading it for yourself, that Jesus was a great proponent of what's called the gospel about the kingdom of God. And so if Jesus means anything to you, if he matters vitally in your life, then you're going to be interested in what Jesus was interested in, namely the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was the heart and the center of everything that Jesus preached and yet, shockingly and surprisingly, we do not hear clear definitions of the kingdom of God in contemporary preaching. This should be a matter of considerable alarm to those who count the teaching of Jesus vital and indeed essential for their success as a Christian and indeed for their ultimate immortality in the coming kingdom of God. Listen to this statement of a leading scholar in relation to the question of what Jesus was primarily concerned with. He says this, It may be said that the teaching of Jesus concerning the kingdom of God represents his whole teaching. The kingdom of God is the main determinative subject of all of Jesus' discourse. Jesus' ethics were the ethics of the kingdom. His theology was the theology of the kingdom. Jesus' teaching regarding himself cannot be understood apart from his interpretation of the kingdom of God. And then the scholar goes on further. He says, And it may not only be said that all Jesus' teaching had relation to the kingdom, but also his action, everything he did, from the days of his baptism, all the events of his life, until the final culminating event, the crucifixion, had reference to the coming of the kingdom. From Jesus' baptism on, his whole life was dedicated to the mission of announcing the kingdom's approach and of calling men to prepare for entering the kingdom on the conditions which by divine authority he announced. End of quotation from F.C. Grant in an article entitled The Gospel of the Kingdom. What a magnificent statement. How absolutely true that is that everything that Jesus did centered around this primary concept of the kingdom of God. Jesus, with his gospel message, announced the approach of the kingdom of God. He put the human race, so to speak, on alert for the great coming event, the tremendous intervention that God had prepared, by which God himself was going to intervene in the person of Jesus Christ at his second coming, to reorganize the world on a sane and sound basis. The second coming of Jesus was to be the great event of the future at which time the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdom of God and of his Messiah. That's the framework, the simple framework, I should say, within which the whole of the New Testament, indeed the whole Bible, works. Once we grasp that Jesus was offering his followers, immortality and positions as rulers in the coming kingdom, we will find the New Testament providing us with a perfectly coherent story 
There's one story there, one driving theme, one underlying motif which creates the story of the New Testament as we have it in our documents. It's the story of the glory of the coming kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God in the future, fear not, little flock, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, Jesus will say, when he returns in power and glory. The kingdom of God, we may safely say, is the master term underlying all of Jesus' teaching. The genius of the Christian faith is concentrated in this one term, kingdom of God. It's surprising then that we don't hear clear definitions of the kingdom of God in contemporary preaching. It's in order to fill that gap that we have planned this series of programs on Jesus' master topic, the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God was not a strange idea to Jewish compatriots of Jesus when Jesus began his ministry. No good teacher comes in to a society with a message which is utterly incomprehensible. It's preposterous to imagine that when Jesus said, repent because the kingdom of God was at hand, that he was talking in terms which nobody could possibly understand. That is really ridiculous. Jesus uses the term kingdom of God because it was a well-known expression in the religious world of first century Palestine. Jesus, you know, was a Jew speaking to Jews. And in order to understand his message, we must come to terms with the Jewish environment in which Jesus worked. What then would Jesus have meant by the term kingdom of God? To answer this question, we have to delve a little into the history of Judaism. Now, it's a well-known fact that in the book of Daniel, much was said about the kingdom of God. It is entirely clear to historians that at the time in which Jesus began to preach, the book of Daniel was popular. The ordinary people who attended the synagogue knew what the kingdom of God was. Now, you can become personally acquainted with this idea quite easily by simply taking a Bible and opening it to Daniel 2 and verse 44. You may want to read the context there to be sure that we're not misleading you, but you'll find that in Daniel 2 verse 44 that the kingdom of God comes as a fifth empire in a sequence of kingdoms or empires. There are four beast-like empires in this vision given to King Nebuchadnezzar, which Daniel interpreted, but the fifth empire is called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Daniel 2.44 says that in the days of these kings, referring to the previous beast-like empires, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. But this kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven will crush and defeat these prior empires and it will itself last forever. What an extraordinary vision Daniel was granted in relation to the future and the destiny of our earth. Do you realize there that Daniel, and you can share this vision now with him since he's written it down, Daniel was peering into the far distance in terms of human history. What he saw there was the end of present societies and the initiation and inauguration of a divinely instituted kingdom in the days in which the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. 
That's what was meant by the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And of course those two expressions are absolutely interchangeable in the New Testament. There is no difference whatsoever between the term kingdom of heaven and the term kingdom of God. But be careful. The kingdom of heaven does not mean the kingdom in heaven. If you'll follow the story of the kingdom of God further in the book of Daniel and turn to chapter 7 and verse 27, we have another vision of the coming of the Son of Man in this case to establish the kingdom of God. But the kingdom is to be given to the saints and it's the kingdom in Daniel 7.27 under the whole heaven. Now I must point out to you that the term Son of Man in Daniel 7 is a corporate term. It refers both to Jesus and to the saints that go with him, the body of Christ, if you like. In Daniel 7.27, at the climax of this vision, we find that the evil national states or nation states of the present system are going to be turned over to the authority of the Son of Man, that's to say, Jesus and the saints. What an extraordinary insight into the future political conditions of our earth. Are we interested in the future of the world? Well, the book of Daniel has given us in advance a vision of what God is going to do. He's going to set up his kingdom on this earth and send the Messiah, Jesus, back to bring into being a brand new world organization with headquarters at Jerusalem, the capital of the kingdom of God, and with the Messiah seated on the throne of David as the prophets of Israel prophesied. That's the destiny of our earth, and that then is your destiny if you choose to believe now in the good news of the kingdom of God and to prepare yourself with all earnestness to enter the kingdom of God as a co-ruler, as a co-regent with Jesus in that coming event of the second coming. Why don't we hear more of this in preaching? Why is it that such an eclipse has overcome the central teaching of Jesus, namely the gospel of the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God was not a mysterious term in the ears of the audience which Jesus addressed at his inauguration, at the inauguration of his ministry. No, the kingdom of God was a perfectly plain idea and it was based on and rooted in the Hebrew Bible, the sacred scriptures of Israel. Tragically, we Gentiles have not liked the messianism of Jesus, that's to say, those things which pertain to the destiny and the career of the Messiah. We Gentiles don't naturally relate to that, but in order to be Christians, we must gain a Jewish heart. Our Lord and our Savior is a Jew, a Jew of first century Palestine, now exalted to the right hand of the Father. But the teaching of Jesus about salvation is to be found in a Jewish context. It is part and parcel of Judaism, of the sacred scriptures of the Old Testament. It's essential then that in trying to understand Jesus and relate to him, and in developing the mind of Christ, which we Christians are commanded to do, we must pay attention to the very Jewish character and flavor of everything Jesus taught. Do you remember that Jesus himself said in John 4:22 that salvation comes from the Jews? Salvation is of the Jews. That's to say that God's plan of salvation was revealed through a particular nation, through the Jewish people. Salvation was to proceed from Israel, and from Israel it was to go to the whole world. 
Now, Jesus is the representative, the true representative of true Israel, a Jew of the Jews, and he is the source of salvation. He's the one bearing the message of God's salvation, the gospel about the kingdom of God. Now, how well have we related to the idea that salvation comes from the Jews? Could you do what Paul did in Acts 28, verse 23, namely explain salvation by appealing to the law of Moses and the prophets, and indeed to do this from dawn till dusk, as Luke reports that Paul did? Are we sure that we have grounded ourselves and rooted ourselves in the Hebrew Scriptures, the source from which salvation comes through Jesus Christ? Or have we done our own Gentile thing and invented a Jesus after the image of our own Gentile hearts? This is a serious question. I've written a book on the kingdom of God, which I'd like to offer to you for your personal Bible study at home. Ask for your free copy of this book. It's called The Coming Kingdom of the Messiah, A Solution to the Riddle of the New Testament. Simply request your copy by telephoning us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. Our purpose in these broadcasts is to call attention to the fact that the gospel as Jesus preached it was always the gospel about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is itself a very Jewish idea which needs to be investigated carefully in its own Jewish context and environment, especially from the Hebrew Bible itself. Our time is running out today. We invite you to check our findings carefully in the Bible. Look up the verses we've been referring to in their context. Join us again as we continue to probe Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.